Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, fellow travelers. How well do you know Middle Earth? Have you ever wondered how it came to be in the beginning? In my new book, Tolkien's Overture, I explore Ainu Lindale the great creation story that begins the Silmarillion, and unpack the numerous ways in which it foreshadows and defines all of Middle-earth's history, from the Silmarillion to the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings. Right now, I'm offering you the opportunity to be a part of the book forever. However, this is a limited-time opportunity, so you have to act fast. Head on over to Tolkien'sOverture.com to learn more. Once again, that's Tolkien'sOverture.com. Thanks for listening to The Tolkien Road, and enjoy the following episode. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talking Tolkien Podcast, Episode 3, The Silmarillion, Valaquenta. Hi everyone, John Carswell here. Welcome to the Talking Tolkien Podcast, your conversational guide to Middle-earth and the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. On this episode of the podcast, we will be discussing the second part of the Silmarillion, Valaquenta, the account of the Valar and the Maiar, according to the Eldar. We'll also be playing some Valaquenta Jeopardy, so it should be a lot of fun. Enjoy! Alright, let's get this party started. Let's talk some, talk some Tolkien. Let's do it. How are you, Greta? I'm doing well, John. How are Things you? been going well since last time? Yeah, swimmingly. Swimmingly? Excellent. Swimmingly, yeah. Good. Good to hear those swimming lessons are paying off. All right. 
Um, aren't you going to ask me how I'm doing? I did, but you talked over me. Oh, sorry. That's okay. How are you, John? I'm doing swimmingly. <laughs> I hope you're not trying to swim through quicksand. <laughs> um, you know, I was watching... You might have noticed that I was watching uh, the ride of the Rohirrim. I can I can never quite say that word right. The ride of the Rohirrim. Rohirrim. Uh, yeah, in uh, from from Return of the King today, okay. right? And uh, you know, whenever I need like kind of that like pump you up kind of fix, that's the scene to watch right there. Uh, man, that's you know it's awesome. They just you know he pumps them up, Theoden gets them gets them fired up. And they're going in to just this these hordes and hordes of the armies of Mordor. And they just come crashing in like a wave. It's awesome. You know? Yeah. It's almost as good as the um as, you know, the Braveheart pep talk, but I think that's probably the best pep you know, like war like going into battle, you're about to die, pep talk there is, is the Braveheart one, but but I think they came close with uh with the ride of the rover and and I think they did that pretty well, you know, in the movie, so I'll have to go back and watch it. Yeah. It's been a while well, we'll, we'll go back and watch those watch the movies at some point and kind of do a a little, you know, have some fun discussing the movies as opposed to the books when we get around to watching or to reading the Lord of the Rings and discussing oh, yeah. the Lord of the Rings in yeah. the future. That'd be fun. Um, so, but, were, were you getting pumped up for the podcast? Is that what you're getting pumped up for? Or no, you just I was actually in general. I was actually writing a song, oh, and I had kind okay. of this idea in my head that was sort of like. The writers of Rohan, and oh, so okay. Um, okay. Uh, I needed to watch that scene to remind to refresh it in my memory. I had like the book open as I was as I was reading it because gotcha. it's even better in the book. I mean, you know, it doesn't have all the music and everything, obviously, but it's still really great in the book. But uh, but we're not really here to talk about that. Just a thought I wanted to share. Um, we're here to talk about Valaquenta from the Silmarillion today. Valaquenta. Um, however, I have two quick points left over from last time. The first isn't really left over from last time. It's actually something I learned since we did the Annalindale podcast. Okay. Uh, and I showed you this the other day. I was I was surfing around the interwebs the other day. Mm-hmm. And um, not really surfing around. I was actually on Twitter and somebody mentioned, put a link to this thing. Uh, this guy named Evan Palmer uh, has created basically this graphic novel adaptation of the Annalindale. Oh yeah! Remember I showed it to you. Yes, it yes. is awesome. That was amazing. Um, it you know I've said before that I would love it if if they would give somebody the rights to actually make a graphic novel of the Silmarillion, um, mm. so that you know it could kind of bring bring that visual aspect to life. I really mm-hmm. think from that letter, the Waldman letter, it's something that Tolkien would have welcomed. But mm-hmm. I'm not his you know family, obviously, so I don't right. know him as well as everybody else. And obviously, he was not a fan of everything that people did based on his works. But still, it was kind of his idea that people should do that, should take, mm-hmm. you know, what he started with and create their own art, create their own music. Right. You know, maybe even their own writings off of it. Mm. Um, and he was really, you know, kind of a an early guy in that whole kind of like fans doing stuff with the original material. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to plug this uh, this guy, Evan Palmer, his his graphic novel, you know, version of the Ina Lindale that he has on his website um, it's evanpalmercomics.com slash Inalindale and with it's actually it's actually Inalindale because he didn't use the little umlaut e at the end. Mm-hmm. But okay. um, but like most people don't know how to make that on the keyboard anyway. Right. I do because I'm a Tolkien nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. And it just makes my life a lot easier to know how to make those things quickly, like accent marks and umlauts, you know. So and it's actually not that hard on a Mac. 
Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Go and check that out uh, at his website if you haven't seen that before. It's evanpalmercomics.com slash Ina um, he does a really good job, and maybe even if he's out there, if he hears this, uh, I think it'd be really cool maybe to like interview him as like a oh, uh, for this yeah. podcast maybe, yeah. and just talk to him about that because I was really impressed by it. Uh, I've also seen some other people doing similar things like that with the Silmarillion, and so I'll be plugging them probably in the future too. But I really liked what he did with the Island Delay. The other thing I wanted to mention before we dive into the Valaquenta is. Um, uh, there's a great quote from the Waldman letter that I neglected to mention when we did the first episode. And I wanted to make sure we bring it up early because it's really it's really key and it's one of my favorite points he makes. Um, if you go to, turn in your books, if you will, to uh, XVII, which is Roman numeral 17. Got it. Right. And there at the top of the page, um, he says... Um, you know, so, so of course, I wrote I wrote a book on the story of Baron and Luthien, uh, which you should go and read. But that's not really why I'm reading this. I'll just mention that, throw that out. You'll hear a commercial for it later. Uh, but he says the chief of the stories of the Silmarillion and the one most fully treated is the story of Baron and Luthien, the Elf Maiden. Here we meet, among other things, the first example of the motive to become dominant in hobbits that the great policies of world history, the wheels of the world are often turned not by the lords and governors, even gods, but by the seemingly unknown and weak, owing to the secret life and creation, and the part unknowable to all wisdom but one, that resides in the intrusions of the children of God into the drama. I just love that notion of the wheels of the world being turned by the weak and the powerless, as opposed to the great and the mighty and the powerful, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's, that's one of the key Tolkienian themes, you know, throughout his works is that, um, you know, all of these things unfold, like, you know, you know, you have all these like tragedies and things that unfold. And a lot of times it's to set the stage so that some, you know, relatively minor figures or through these, you know, these peoples that you think wouldn't have a big effect on, on the history of the world end up rising up and having this huge effect on the history of the world. Um, so I, I just love that, and I wanted to point that out early on because I think, again, that's a theme that we'll be seeing come up again and again as we go through the Silmarillion and eventually mm-hmm. The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very, very, that's a notion that's very close to his heart. I, I just love that saying. Yeah. Um, the wheels of the world are often turned not by the lords and governors, but by the seemingly unknown and weak, mm-hmm. right? And, he, and And again, it's that mysterious thing he says, owing to the secret life and creation, right? It's never, you know, the prideful never think, it's you know of the secret life and creation that's that's gonna that's gonna kind of come back and and get them because of their because of their pride because of their haughtiness you know right right yeah it's a very biblical yeah theme as well yeah oh yeah I mean, sure the weak overt you know David and Goliath right right, right. I mean Jesus himself yeah so. absolutely absolutely so anyway I just wanted to bring that up uh, but now let's get started on the Valaquinta yes. so uh, we're gonna have a little fun though. Um, I have a little surprise for you. Oh, I love surprises. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're going to like this surprise. But you said it was going to be fun. Well, I think it's going to be fun. I'm not sure <laughs> if you're going to But you're also a Tolkien nerd, so... Right. Hmm. So we're going to do Valaquinta Jeopardy. Can I use my notes? No. Ah! Nope. Can't boo. use your notes for Valaquinta Jeopardy. Okay. All right. There's only five questions, though, so... All right. Uh, but remember, you have to answer in the form of a question because it's Jeopardy. because right, it's Jeopardy. Right. Okay. okay. Got it. So, uh, number one. 
This Valar Lord is a happy warrior. Oh. Oh, he's the good-humored one where they say that he's a... He'd be great in a bar fight, but he's not so much of a friend. Okay. Um, Whoa. Who is... um, Tolkis. That's correct. Yes. That's correct. Yes. One for one so far. All right. All right. Number two. This Valier mourns for every wound of Arda. This Valier mourns for every wound of Arda. Who is Nessa? That is not correct. Close. You, You want to take another stab at it? Um, well, I know that a Valier is a female Valar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I even looked at this today because um, it mentioned her specifically. I uh, know, I don't want to waste our time. Who is Nienna? Nienna. Nienna. Okay. Well, I got the first <clears throat> and the last letter, right? Yeah, she's the, she's the mourner. Right, right. okay. Um, okay, number three, so one of two. Number three, Nightingales sang of this Maya wherever she went. Nightingale sang of this Maya wherever she went. I know this because I just read it today. <laughs> I know it. Um, oh, I'm not good under pressure. I'm so not good under pressure. Um, I don't know. Such an A, maybe? No. No. I don't Who know. is Melion? Melion. Who is Melion? You know, it doesn't help that these people have, like, super weird names that you've never heard of before. Yeah, well... They probably think you have a weird name. They probably do. All right, number four. He is the keeper of the houses of the dead. He is the keeper of the houses of the dead. Aren't there two of them? Uh. No. I mean... I thought they were brothers. Well, okay, yeah, he, he is one of the two brothers, but only one of them is the keeper of the houses of the dead. I don't remember. Who is Mondos? Who is Mondos? Mondos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I've then number five. He is the lone bachelor among the Valar. I don't know. I can't keep them all straight. <laughs> oh, wait. Is it... Um... Okay, I know Monway's married. Or Monway has a spouse. Um... Ulmo has a spouse. Is it Alway? It's actually Ulmo. Is it Ulmo? Ale has a spouse. Ulmo, yeah, um, yeah. Ulmo's the uh, he's the sailor. He he's you know he's he's always at sea, baby. It's nothing you know can tie him down. I was thinking of there's a there's a um, female um, not Valar but a female um, Mayar. You know, there's a female Mayar who's a um, sea person. That's what I was getting confused on. All right, well, well, darn. That's it's okay. You know that's why we're doing this. So I thought it'd be a little fun to see how much. But you got one out of five. That's pretty good. You remember Tolkis? I do. Remember and um, I and yeah, the names are hard to remember. So um, so we'll just go ahead and and we'll dive in to the Valaquinta now that we have uh, now that we've gotten started. All right. All right. So what do you think of the Valaquinta? Uh, it was it was good. Yeah. 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 Not much of a story. Um, no, is not it? much of a story. A lot of groundwork. Yeah, I think um, really good. Um, you know, background acquainting you with the characters and um, you know, letting you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty well. I mean, it was laid out very logically. Yeah, it's a little easier to follow, I think, than um, uh, than Ina Lindale. 
um, you know, Ida Lindela, you know, and a lot of the stuff in the Silmarillion has kind of this very biblical high language. Mm-hmm. Malaquinta still has that, but it's more, it's told in a very orderly fashion. So mm-hmm. it's a little easier to follow. Yes. Um, but it begins with uh, just kind of reiterating, um, re, you know, reiterating like the basic what basically what happened in Anilindale, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those mm-hmm. of the Anur who desired it arose and entered into the world at the beginning of time, and it was their task to achieve it. Remember that vision right. that they saw. It was their task to achieve that vision and by their labors to fulfill the vision which they had seen. Long they labored in the regions of Ea, which are vast beyond the thought of elves and men, until in the times appointed was made Arda, the kingdom of earth. Uh, then they put on the raiment of earth and descended into it and dwelt therein. Very important point. While the Valar and and the Maiar will have like you know this sort of um, humanoid form, this mm-hmm. this form like like elves and men, mm-hmm. um, that's not that's not necessarily natural to them, right? Right. They take they take that on for the purpose of interacting and of being in this world, right? Right. right. Uh, but it's it's not something that they have to have on. It's more like it's more like they put it on like clothes, right? Yes. Whereas. For men and elves and other creatures like them, it's part of their very natures to have that. Right. 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 Okay. Yes. Um, so they mention um, the lords of the Valar and and the Valier and their and the Valier and there's seven of each. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We got Manwe, Ulmo, Aule, Orame, Mandos, Lorraine, and Tulkus are the lords, and then Varda, Yavana, Niena, Este. Uh, Vire, Vana, and, Nes- and Nessa are the queens. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's 14 total. Yes. And most of them get paired up. The only exceptions to that are Olmo and then, um, is it, yeah, it's Niena. Olmo and Niena are the ones that don't get paired up. Right. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like I said, Olmo's like the guy at sea, right? You know, he's, he's always at sea. Yeah. He can never be tied down. Right. And then, um. Uh, and then, and then it's kind of interesting to me that Nienna is like the mourner, you know. Yeah. So she's almost like this widowed sort of figure, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. widowed, widowed from the time, <laughs> from time immemorial, right? Yes. Poor girl. Yeah. Uh, but she's, you know, she's important. She's important. We'll get to Nienna. We'll get. To, we're going to go through and look at each of their descriptions. Milkor, of course, comes into the world, um, and uh, and we do learn a little bit about him. Uh, immediately, we learn. Um, what about him and Monway? What do we learn about him and Monway right off the bat? Um, that they were the, um, they were like the highest, right? They yeah, were... and and so much so that what Iluvatar considered them what? Um, the lords of the Valar. No, not the lords. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Something oh, 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 oh economics, voodoo economics. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> I feel like Ben Stein and Ferris Bueller. They were brothers. They were brethren. There we go. Yeah. I wanted to be like something, something ev- rhymes with etherin <laughs> and starts with a bruh. That's right. Starts with a bruh and ends with an etherin. Yes, brethren. So right, they were yes, considered they were brethren. brothers. Right. Yes. Uh, I thought you would just snap to that one, like you know, you would just get it right off the top of your head. But Sorry. That's all right. So you got me all flustered with that pop with, quiz. With, the pop, with the pop quiz? I'm still recovering. Yeah, all right. Well, makes me look smart. <laughs> all right. Um, true. 
So okay. yes, brethren. Yes, brethren. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were considered brethren in the thoughts of Iluvatar. Um, uh, but obviously Melkor fell. Right. Um, and Manwe, therefore, is kind of considered the high king of Ea. They're all, right. all of these people are considered kings in a way, and, and all of the women are considered queens, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, mm-hmm. um, all the Valier, I shouldn't say women, all the Valier are considered queens. But there's like a high king, yes. you know, and a high queen. Yeah. All right. Um, Manwe, surnamed Sulimo, Lord of the Breath of Arda. Um, and he is the he is the Lord of the things of the air, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about him a little bit. Right. In the Analyn- talked about uh, Manwe, Olmo, and Ale, Ale mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, yeah. Um, so... Uh, Manwe, of course, who's his spouse? So we we talk, we learn a little bit about his mm-hmm. spouse. Who's his spouse? Varda. Varda, that's right. Varda, the Lady of the Stars. The Lady of the Stars. What a beautiful name! If right. I was a, a Valier, I would want to be the Lady of the Stars. The Lady of the Stars. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I mean, she's uh, she. You know, we'll come to see that she plays a part in setting the stars, many of the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love though what it says about Manwe and Varda and about like how they complement mm-hmm, one another. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, when Manwe there ascends his throne at, on, in the uttermost tower of Tanaquetl, we'll learn what that means later. Uh, when Manwe there ascends his throne and looks forth, if Varda is beside him, he sees further than all other eyes, through mist and through darkness and over the leagues of the sea. And if Manwe is with her, Varda hears more clearly than all other ears the sound of voices that cry from east to west, from the hills and the valleys, and from the dark places that Melkor has made upon earth. Um, and and the name, so Varda is a very important figure, and actually, um, she she's referenced actually several times in The Lord of the Rings. This hmm. is something, this is a very interesting point. So you see that thing there where it says... Um, of all the great ones who dwell in the world, the elves hold Varda most in reverence and love. Yes. Elbereth, mm-hmm. they name her. And yes. they call upon her name out of the shadows of Middle-earth and uplift it in song at the rising of the stars. Mm-hmm. One of my f- favorite parts in The Lord of the Rings is at the end of the two towers, the choices of Master Samwise when he, um, when Frodo has been stung by Shelob. Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, oh no, what do I do now? Right? And Shelob is like coming for him. Right? Yes. And um, he gets the, the little glass that uh, Galadriel had given right. to Frodo yeah. and all of a sudden he receives this inspiration he starts speaking in this language that he doesn't even know and he says uh, I think I might get the words backwards but he says he basically says Gethoniel a Elbereth right Gethoniel yes. a Elbereth and what he's doing is he is calling to Varda he doesn't know he's doing this because mm-hmm. it's this inspiration that happens in him right. but he's calling to to Varda Right mm-hmm. and for her aid, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's this really mighty moment. And then he like he gets this because he goes into this place, and we'll learn why Shelob is such a is such you know her like her area is like sucks the life out of you. We'll learn why that is as we get further into the Silmarillion. We'll learn something about where she came from. Um, but you know the description of that is like she just lives in this place and has this ability to just like suck the dark you know suck the light and the life out of anything. Right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, in, in her place, it's just this place of overwhelming darkness. So just yes. like it, just like covers you in 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 blackness, and um, uh, and so Sam is about is is feeling like he might succumb 
to this as well. You know, he's like, right. he's he's stuck here. Frodo, he thinks is dead. You know, he's just like, what do I do now, right? And he receives this this providential inspiration where he calls out her name, right? Yeah. And from that moment, and then he has he does a longer. He says it again, and he does a longer version of like invoking her, and and then he all of a sudden receives this great resolve, like this. It's, it's I me. Mean, it's like this grace, you know, like mm-hmm. this resolve to stand up to Shelob and to do battle with her, right? Yeah. Yep. And and he overcome he wins you know yeah. not to give a spoiler for those who haven't read the Lord of the Rings I assume if you I, mean, I assume if you were listening to a podcast about the Silmarillion you probably read the Lord of the Rings but um, but that's just one of my favorite parts in there yeah. and so that's a great example of how Varda shows up later on you know mm-hmm. you probably read that the first time and you're like I have no idea what that means right right yeah. it's like in a mm-hmm. foreign language and mm-hmm. I have no idea what that's even all about right. but the names is. are uh, Elbereth which is you know Queen of the Stars. And then, um, and then Gethoniel, which is Star Kindler, right? Hmm. Star Kindler. Are those both her names? Yeah, they're like different. And, and that's something we're going to find is that, like, pretty much every character in the Silmarillion, and and then in other parts of Lord of the and other parts of Tolkien's Legendarium, have more than one name. Just because it wasn't confusing enough already. <laughs> right. Well, he was. <laughs> Tolkien was into naming things, in case you didn't notice. Yes. You know, he was into languages and naming things. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, even if you just look in the appendix of, like, for Varda or something like that, mm-hmm. you're going to find, like, several different names. And, right. and that pretty much applies to every character. Yeah. So that is one of the things that makes the Silmarillion pretty confusing, is that the characters have different names, right. a lot of different names. Yes. So that I love that connection, though, to the, mm-hmm. to the Lord of the Rings. And um, so uh, if, if you didn't realize that before... Um, that's where that comes from. And she comes up in other parts. Her name comes up in other parts. Uh, that name, Elbereth, comes up in other parts of mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings as well. Made me think of um, just the way she was described without even thinking of that scene from Lord of the Rings. But just reading about her immediately made me think of Mary. Yeah. Yeah, she's a very Marian figure, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and, I mean, obviously, and, you know, that's that's to be expected with Tolkien as a devout Catholic. Um mm-hmm. You know, and I was looking in his letters today before we, before the podcast, like trying to find if if he intended that connection, if that was a kind of a clear intention. Um, and he admits he admits that there's you know there there is definitely a resemblance there. Mm-hmm. Of course, Tolkien is never you know is one of those guys who's not just going to come right out and say that right. that's the thing. And again, is not allegory. He's not creating allegory, but right. definitely there's a strong inspiration mm-hmm. there, and he would he would admit that right. Yes. There's a strong connection there. Mm-hmm. And resemblance there. Yes. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely very Marian, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms, in terms of like invoking her and right. invoking yeah. her protection and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I mean, just right. the whole Lady of the Stars thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it just. Right. You know, and the queen of, you know, being the head queen, right? Right. You know, Mary is the queen of, you know, heaven and earth. So. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, okay. Um, and by the way, just interject as you, you know, I know I'm kind of talking a lot, but interject mm-hmm. as you, okay. as you, yeah, as you well. have notes or questions or whatever. Sure. Um, all right. Next is Olmo. So we yes. talked some about Olmo already. Yes. Um, what do you think about Olmo? He's a pretty cool dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's really into the ocean. He, he does. He really, um, yes, he's, uh. He's a sailor at heart, 
for sure. I think in our on a limb delay, we I talked a little bit about Poseidon. Yeah, just kind of the, the yeah this, the resemblance. The, yeah, the resemblance for there. Sure. Um, uh, he uh, he actually does not really take. It says he does not take much of a uh, a form to himself. He says. Right. He does not love to walk upon land and will right. seldom clothe himself in a body after the manner of his peers. Mm-hmm. If the children of Eru beheld him, they were filled with a great dread, for the arising of the king of the sea was terrible as a mounting wave that strides to the land, with dark helm, foam-crested, and raiment of mail shimmering from silver down into shadows of green. Um, the trumpets of Manwe are loud, but almost voices deep as the deeps of the ocean, which he only has seen. I've seen some kind of cool... Um, Imaginings of what he might look like, oh, and it's yeah. just like this, like great, like figure, almost like he's almost like one with the ocean, but he's like rising out of the ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks mm-hmm. really like frightening, um, but uh, as, as you would expect with that description there. Yes. Um, yes. I love. You know, it's very important though that they make this. He makes this connection between Olmo and music, right? Um, that almost speaks to those who dwell in Middle Earth with voices that are heard only as the music of water. Um, uh, the spirit. So the elves say that the spirit of Olmo runs in the veins of the world. Thus, news comes to Elmo. Olm- Elmo. <laughs> Sorry. There's some. Name. There's some names in Tolkien that are unfortunate, and like, and like because they sound like certain other names, and it, you know it's easy like to to like to say Elmo when you mean to say Olmo. Um, and but Tolkien really got it first. Tolkien he had did. Dibs. He did that. Darn Sesame Street mm-hmm. had to come along and mm-hmm. you know <laughs> use a, use a close name. Um, there's another there's another really unfortunate one that we'll come to later. Um, that's the name of a place. Um, but you know the funny thing I always hear about Tolkien is you know here's a guy who invents his own languages and he named like the ultimate evil place in his epic Lord of the Rings Mount Doom. You know like <laughs> he has a sense of humor. Mount. Mount Evil. It's like Dr. Evil. <laughs> Dr. Evil. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he but, also uses the word stuff, so it's Well, good. he does. And doom is actually a very important word for um, for Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, he he likes to use the word doom in different ways. So, And we'll talk about that when it comes up again, when, when, when the word doom comes up, um, what he means by the word doom. Um, uh, but anyway... Um, Olmo, he he engenders with his music, which is kind of the music of the sea. Um, he those who hear it, they hear it ever after in their hearts, and longing for the sea never leaves them again. And again, that's another that's another theme that Tolkien revisits again and again is this is this love of the sea and of the sound of the mm-hmm. sea, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the uh, there is a group of elves called the Teleri that will that will see in the Silmarillion. Um, that are all about the sea, and so in a way, Olmo is like, you know, is 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 related to them, right? Or is their favorite of the Valar, right. if you will? Yes. Yep. All right. Any other thoughts on Olmo? Um, no, I don't think so. I thought it was interesting that you know they talked about how he doesn't like to walk on land, and he mm-hmm. you know he doesn't like to interact with the the children of Iluvatar very much. He still loves them. And he never abandoned them. Um, right. And that even though he's uh, mostly unseen, it sounds like through his music, he's very influential. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and we'll see actually how that comes into play. His influence through music comes into play uh, pretty far down the road in the Silmarillion. Um, but he actually like inspires a couple of elves to to build a couple of great cities. Hmm. So um, like they they fall asleep near rivers and have this dream, and he like comes to them while they're asleep and, and, and like gives them this inspiration. So we'll see that a little further down the road. All right, next is Aule. Aule. So, um, what do you think of Aule? He's my favorite. Yeah, of, I like of, Aule. Of, of all of them, like no, all, the Valar. of the Valar, of the Valar, of the Valar, okay. of the guys. I mean, he and Tolkis kind of for different reasons, I yeah. guess. But everybody um, likes the Happy Warrior. Everybody likes know? the Happy Warrior. Yeah. I mean, what's not to like? Um, I guess what I like about allies. Everybody, everybody likes the happy warrior until he breaks something. <laughs> right. Darn it, focus. <laughs> yes, right. true. Um, well, I think what I like about and what I think I kind of relate to about Alley is I'm um, uh, a, a wannabe gardener. Yeah. Um, I hesitate to say frustrated gardener, but I probably am a bit of a frustrated gardener, and I've I've always really um held people who are able to make to grow things and to make things come from the earth in very high esteem because it's such a gift well ale is not really he doesn't really make things come from the earth he, he's more of like a fashioner of things from the earth now his spouse yavana mm-hmm. she makes things come from okay. the earth right she's so maybe they're my faves together yeah. well that would make sense yeah i really like ale he's probably my favorite of all of them I don't know, Olmo, it's hard for me because I like the C, too. But um, but I like Ale just because he's so into making stuff. Yeah. You know? He's kind he of like, hyper-creative. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. He's kind of, uh, he just always wants to make. And I love the fact that um, there's a comparison made between him and Melkor, right? Uh, it says Melkor, yes. Melkor yes. was jealous of him, for Ale was most like himself in thought and in powers. And there was long strife between them in which Melkor ever marred or undid the works of Ale. You know, what you were saying mm-hmm. last time about that, like, brother that comes along yes. and breaks whatever you do. Yes. Right? Smashes um, your Lego tower. Right. For no good reason. Ale grew weary in repairing the tumults and, dis- tumults and disorders of Melkor. Uh, this is key. Both also desired to make things of their own that should be new and unthought of by others and delighted in the praise of their skill. But Ale remained faithful to Eru and submitted all that he did to his will. And he did not envy the works of others, but sought and gave counsel. Whereas Melkor spent his spirit in envy and hate, until at last he could make nothing save in mockery of the thought of others, and all their works he destroyed if he could. So there's this thing where Aule, they're both makers, right? Mm -hmm. They both want to make. But um, Aule uh, always submits what he does to to Iluvatar, and says, you know, is this this okay, Right. right? And, um, and that's a very, you know, that's a very key point, you know, throughout, throughout this whole thing is Mm -hmm. there's this, you know, remember Tolkien talked about the desire of, um, of, of creativity, like wanting to create coming from, um, from this mortality, right? This idea of mortality. He talked about that in the, in the Waldman letter, um, of things having an end. And of and of the temptation to see things last forever and not decay as being, um, uh, as being part of like this fall that takes place mm-hmm. often, mm-hmm. right? And uh, for Melkor, he always wants to dominate things, and then right. he looks down on other people's creations mm-hmm. and he he despises them, yep. right? If he can't if he can't claim them or have lordship over mm-hmm. them, yep. right? Um, 
So a key, you know, key distinction, Ale and Melkor are both makers, but eventually Melkor spends his spirit so much in envy and hate that all he can do is mock other things. I will just say that I think that is really important because I feel like this is just me. Personal opinion time. I look out at the world around us so much and I think of like like so much like of comedy and everything today is like is about putting stuff down, putting other people down, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's tempting and sometimes it may be deserving. Mm-hmm. But I I see that often where it's like it seems like sometimes people spend their creativity on the wrong things, right? Mm-hmm. On like putting other people down or putting other people's creative works down. Mm-hmm. And it's like what what seems to happen is that that takes away from that person's ability to actually make something truly valuable, you know? Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Anyway, sure. I, I don't want to get on my soapbox too much about that because I'm, I'm kind of very, talking very vaguely. I don't have anything in mind when I say that, but right. uh, just sometimes I see a lot of mean-spirited stuff out there, and uh, and it's like, just just go about the joy of making stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. like that's why I like Ale is because he just wants to make, mm-hmm. and he wants to he wants to go about the joy of making stuff. And, and so it's key that Melkor... You know, one of the key things wrong with him is that he just despises the things that other people make. Right. right. And also brings to mind, too, that there there is a freedom in submission. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's kind of, it sounds a bit like an oxymoron. But, um, you know, I can't help but think that the fact that Ale remained faithful to Iluvatar and submitted everything that he made to him is one of the reasons he was able to to make you know, to continue to make amazing things and to have fine joy in them. Right. <clears throat> Melkor, you know, obviously, as we know from Ina Lindelay, was out to, 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 uh, ar- you know, be argumentative with Iluvatar. You know, he was, from the get-go, he was butting heads with him. Right. So, right. Um, you know, it's just, it's a, yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's an interesting point because people don't often think that by submitting, you know, that there's freedom in submission, but there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Ale is a, is a good example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then and then Yavanna mm-hmm. uh, is his spouse. Yes, she the is giver the giver of fruits. Giver of fruits, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, she's the one that loves the things that yeah. grow in the earth. Um uh, you know, she's the one that brings them forth. Uh, it speaks of her as being, um, first of all, she's next in reverence to Varda, right? Yes. Among the queens of the Valar. Uh, in the form of a woman, she is tall and robed in green, but at times she takes other shapes. So she mm-hmm. almost is, she almost has like this tree-like form, if you think about it. She's tall and robed in green, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so um, we'll see a lot more of her. We'll see a, there's a, Chapter actually, I think we'll get to it next time. So we're going to do two chapters for our next episode. Um, but there's a chapter on her and 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 Aule specifically and on their relationship. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, but she does some very she has some very important works that she does later on in um, in the Silmarillion when we get into it. And some of the the works of her hands play a very important role in the history of of Middle Earth. Very cool. Um, any other thoughts on Yavanna? You notice all the names there, like Kimintari, Queen of the Earth. She is surnamed in the Eldarin tongue, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. There's, so, so there's another name for you. It's like, I'm just going to remember her as Yavanna. I'm going to keep it simple. That's right. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, any other thoughts on Yavanna? No. All right. She's my fave. Okay. Valiar. All right. Well, um, 
why don't we go ahead and pause there? We'll okay. do a quick commercial break, Sounds and then good. we'll come back and we'll finish up the Val Acquainta. Um, you are listening to Talking Tolkien. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Do you know the tale that Tolkien called the Colonel of the Middle-Earth mythology? Baron and Luthien is the story of an outlaw mortal and an elvish princess tasked with obtaining a Silmaril, one of the holy jewels of the Blessed Realm, from the Iron Crown of the Dark Lord Morgoth. In my new book, Tolkien's Requiem, I explore the legend of these doomed lovers. In doing so, I aim to provide a backdoor into the world of the Silmarillion for those who have struggled to give it a go. One of Tolkien's greatest achievements, the story of Baron and Luthien, deserves to be as well known as The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Get your copy of Tolkien's Requiem today by visiting truemyths.org slash baron. That's truemyths.org slash b-e-r-e-n. Happy reading! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Okay, welcome back after that commercial break. Um, when we left off, we left off at, uh, we just spoken about Yavanna. Yep. So, now we are to the Feanturi, the Masters of Spirits. Uh, wait, 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 hold on. Yeah. Maybe, maybe my notes are out Oh, of you order. jumped ahead. You jumped ahead. See, you're on. We're I back, did. We're back here. Right after Yavanna, over here. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah. I don't know why. I guess I took my notes out of order. So I have Orme on here next. Mm-hmm. Hmm. My bad. Sorry. It's okay. Oh, I see. Yeah, man. I don't know what I did. Yeah. Well, you just jumped ahead of page. That's what you did. Did. All right. Well, fin- the Fintori. Is that how you say it? Fantori. Fantori. Yeah. All right. Because the A. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fan-tori. When you see that umlaut over the E, yeah. that means. Well, what that. So two things. That means. So the E sounds like a fe, like A, right? Right. Um, but the umlaut over it means that you're supposed to ensure you're supposed to ensure you pronounce it, right? Right. Uh, otherwise, you might have just said fianturi. Yes. But because the E, the the umlauts over the E, you say fianturi. Fianturi. I assume that's called an umlaut here. I'm not really a hundred percent certain, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, when I saw that in German, I would call it an, I would call yes. it an umlaut. Yes. Yeah. Um, um okay so uh they are listed as Mondos and Lorian. Right. Um anything familiar about those names for you? Just right off the bat. Mm, Especially Lorian. Lorian. Yeah, Lorian what about is it? familiar. Lorian. DeLorean. <laughs> Back to the future. Back That's to what the I was future. going for. Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, um, no, it is. It is familiar. I was going to say it kind of reminds me of Luthien, but that's probably not what you're going for either. Not quite. Um, Lorian. No, I, I... So, do you remember where Galadriel lives in Lord of the Rings? She doesn't live in Rivendell, does she? No, she doesn't. I don't remember. She lives in Lothlorien. 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 And sometimes okay. it's just referred to okay. as Lorien. Okay. Right? 
I see. Okay. Um, but um, but those two names, Mondos and Lorian, those are the brothers. But apparently, their real right. names are uh, Namo and Ermo. Right. I'm not sure why he has the accent mark over the A there, Namo. Maybe there's a, maybe I'm not pronouncing that right, but I think it's Namo and Ermo. Um, so their true names are Namo and Ermo. Uh, but you'll you'll hear, especially Lorian doesn't really come up all that often. Mondos comes up a fair amount um, because he is, and, and you'll hear him referred to as Mondos. Okay. Um, again, Tolkien deliberately trying to confuse us all by giving yes. them multiple, multiple names. names and saying, well, their names are really this. And then right. for the rest of the book, calling them by the name he gave them originally. Right, the exactly. In the first place. Exactly, right? yes. Where um, that index, those in, index <laughs> and appendices come in handy. Right. Yes. Well, it depends on which language you're speaking. Are we talking about Sundaran or are we talking <laughs> about a, the southern dark elf dialect of, you know. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Um, yeah, so Mondos, um, he is the keeper of the houses of the dead. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of kind of the Lord of the Dead, but that, that that makes him sound kind of kind of dark and and everything. And he's I mean he's a little dark. I guess he's kind of Grim Reaper esque, but he's still good. Like he's not like a bad he's not like a bad guy or something like that. Okay. It's just his job to be the Lord of the Houses of the Dead, right? Gotcha. Um, Don't they also call him the Doomsman? Yes, the Doomsman of the Valor. There. So you can still be a good guy and have be called a Doomsman. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, because doom is about decision, right? That's that's what that's what the word doom and really when you see Tolkien use that word, that's what he's talking about is decision making, right? Um, He'll talk about that later. Um, Manwe uh, deems some dooms. (laughs) (laughs) Deems some dooms. Say that five times fast. Yeah, Manwe deems some dooms. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to record yourself saying deem some dooms five times real fast and then send it in, maybe we can have a contest on that. That would be uh, super fun. In a, in a few episodes, if people want to record themselves doing that and then like email it to me at john at truemyths.org. Uh, I haven't even mentioned the name of my website yet. Truemyths.org. There you go. Uh, go check it out. You'll find show notes there and you can leave comments about this episode. And especially... Tell us how fast you can say deem some dooms. Deem some dooms. Yeah, five times real fast. Are we including Monway in that or not? Monway deem some dooms? Monway deem some dooms. Monway deem some dooms. Monway deem some dooms. Maybe Monway makes it easier. Deem some dooms. Deem some dooms. Deem some dooms. Yeah, Monway makes it easier. Okay, so we're going to leave Monway out. Yeah, we're going to leave Monway out. Just deem some dooms. I'm not quite sure why, but that made me think of clueing for looks. Clueing for looks. Where did we see that? Sherlock. Is that in Sherlock? Okay. Yeah, yes. I thought that was... <laughs> cluing for looks. He's cluing for looks. <laughs> and at the same time, Monway is deeming some dooms. Deeming some dooms. Yes. Deeming some dooms. Um, he is the doom... So Mondos is the doomsman of the Valar. He pronounces his dooms and his judgments only at the bidding of Monway. So mm-hmm. he submits to Monway, he right? Submit. Yep. Um, uh, and his his spouse is uh, Vyre. The Weaver. Now, yes. she doesn't really come up very often. Um, but she's kind of like the, the master storyteller, right? right. Or the ma- maybe the master history keeper. She weaves all things that have ever been in time into her storied webs. And the halls of Mondos that ever widen as the ages pass are clothed with them. Interesting to think about the halls of Mondos in that way. I'll take a look in and see if I can find an interesting picture of the halls of Mondos. Like, like an artist who's done an interesting... Yeah. 
representation of those. Um, yeah, so um, that's Mondos, and then Vire, Vi- his uh, his spouse. Mm-hmm. Next is his brother Lorian, right? Um, who is married to um, uh, to Este, right? Yes, the healer. Okay. What's interesting is... Um, uh, Have you said what Irmo's deal is yet? Is yeah, Irmo is uh, Garden's... Um, He's the a master of visions and dreams, isn't he? Uh, yes, he is. I'm sorry. Yes, Irmo the Younger is the master of visions and dreams. And Lorien are his gardens in the land of the Valar, and they are the fairest of all places in the world, filled with many spirits. Um so it's like a place, like, you know, he's like the guy who's going to give you dreams and stuff when you go rest, right? Mm-hmm. And that does come up a few times where people, where figures have to go rest, and right. he kind of gives them these dreams. And so it's fitting that he would be married to Este, just like it's fitting that Mondos, who's the deemer of dooms, would be married to Vire, right? I think I'm saying her name right. The weaver, who tell, who's the storyteller, right? You see how those two things go together? Like, you know, this... Giving, giving the judgment, like giving doom, and uh-huh. then Vire being the one who tells the story, right? Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You see how those mm-hmm. things go together? Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like narrative-based. What did you do in your life? You know, how did you live your life? Um, the story of your life, that kind of thing. And then right. Lorian and Este, you know, Lorian gives dreams. So you think of sleep giving refreshment and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pleasant dreams giving even more refreshment. Mm-hmm. And then Este is the healer. Um, right. The healer of hurts and weariness is his spouse. Huh. Rest is her gift. Um, uh, yeah. So um, that's so Irmo's like the Sandman. Basically, huh? Irmo's like the yeah. Sandman. Yeah, Irmo, Irmo Lorian is like the the Sandman, basically. Yeah. yeah. Interesting that it. Um, it's, it's just interesting. To me, interesting to me that Este being a healer and it says that rest is her gift. It's amazing how many wounds sleep alone. Heal. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's, it's very. I, I agree. It's very appropriate. There's been many a days where I've I've felt like really tired and down about things, and I go take some sleep, and mm-hmm. I'm like, and I've learned that, you know, like, yeah, I'm tired. You know, I'm not really yeah. like, you know, I, all the things I'm thinking are not really true. I'm just tired right now. I need to go rest, right. and I'll feel tons better in the morning. Yeah. It usually works out that yeah. way. Sleep Amazing. is the best natural medicine. That's right. That's right. A lot of things. Um. So Este's sister is Nienna, who we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, right. She she's is the, mourner. the griever, right? She's yeah. the mourner. Um, I love, and, and she's she's going to play a, an important role in several chapters. Um, but I love what she what is said about her. What Tolkien says about her. Um, she goes rather to the halls of Mondos, which are near to her own, and all those who wait in Mondos cry to her. So again, like the elves. When they so the elves are immortal and they're not supposed to die, mm-hmm. but when they do die, they go to the halls of Mondos. Okay, right? their spirits go to the halls of Mondos okay. and they basically wait there until the end of time. Gotcha. Right, um, and um, in Mondos the, they cry to her for she brings strength to the spirit and turns sorrow to wisdom. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of of turning sorrow into wisdom. Again, a very Tolkienian concept, yes. right? Yeah. Um, that our sorrows are not just supposed to be these bummers that are like bummer, and then we get over it and we just move on, right? Mm-hmm. Our sorrows are supposed to be are supposed, in a way, to have a healing effect and also a strengthening effect to make us wiser, 
Yes. Right? Yep. Um, and, you know, we'll see various ways in which that plays out. But I think that's a important thing to highlight with Nienna. And I think that's why, you know, you know, it's like he makes he makes a he makes Valar of like, you know, the, the sky and and the uh, waters and the land. Mm-hmm. And then he makes queens of the Valar who are, you know, about, all about the stars and growing things. And but then he gives he gives a Valar. You know, a queen of the Valar who's in charge of just mourning. Mm. Like she just, she's just a mourner. You yeah. Know? I think that's, you know, that, that's fascinating to me that Tolkien places such an importance on mourning. Yeah. You know, and his words. sadness. Yeah. 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 Well, without sadness, you don't have joy. Yeah. Well, he speaks in one of his letters about that that unique blend of sorrow and joy mm-hmm. that informs so much of his writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I'll have to find that quote. At one point, we're going to just pick some letters and just like go through some of his letters and, and just talk about them, mm. which are really interesting himself, yeah, themselves. Yeah, I bet. Um, but that, there's a really good one about that. I feel like we talked about it at some point. Maybe it wasn't in a podcast. Maybe it was just you and me chatting. But yeah, it may have just been us chatting. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so sorrow, Nienna helps sorrow turn to wisdom. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Excellent stuff. Indeed. Then we're there to Tolkis. All right, enough of this. Tolkien. Enough of this weepiness. Enough of this sadness. Right? <laughs> time to go. Time to go uh, slay some bad guys with Tolkis. Right? Right. Uh, he delights in wrestling and in con- and in contests of strength, and he rides no steed, for he can outrun all things that go on feet, and he is tireless. His hair and beard are golden, and his flesh ruddy. His weapons are his hands. You know, you know with all these descriptions, we, at some point we should just do a special edition of the podcast where we just like cast. All the valor. Yes. <laughs> well, that's really interesting that you said that because I have already cast Tolkis. Oh. In my notes here. We guess it's me. Close. <laughs> okay. Who Close. Is it? If you had golden locks, if I had maybe luscious golden locks. Yes. Um, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I can kind of see that a yeah. younger Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It's uh. Yes, yeah, a younger Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody a little bit less. World Wrestling Federation guy, but I can see why you would have said that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we could do better than that, though. I just feel like Hulk Maybe. Hogan's a little, like, I don't know, like if they ever made a movie. Like I'm trying to think if we ever made a movie. Oh, if we made a movie. I see. What you're I can see why you do Hulk Hogan, but yeah. you would never cast Hulk Hogan in the role in a movie. You know, well that's true. He just he's too comedic of a figure to to have in something like The Silmarillion. I think Hulkus is a pretty. I don't know. I, I, I got a very. It's, it's, it's not just that. It's not just that Tolkis. Like yes, he is a he is a little bit more comedic than the rest of the yeah, Valar. Yeah. But. But he would he'd need to have more gravity, you know, to him. Yeah, you know that's what I'm saying. We need more of a balance because he's in the Silmarillion. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah true. True. We'll have to think on that. Tomorrow. He's kind of like it's kind of like you remember. Um, did you ever see the, uh, uh, the, like the 1960s version of Romeo and Juliet? Mm. I think I did. Well, in that movie, they have a really good guy playing. Um, uh, what's the What's the Romeo's funny friend? Um, oh, what is his name? Visit uh, Mund. Mun, uh, speaking of the M, um, mm. I can't remember his name exactly, but um, he, you know, that guy who plays that who plays that character is perfect because he can pull off like this really slapstick thing, and then and then he gets killed. And it's like really, he like pulls off the tragic thing really well too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So 
I, I, I don't know. I think it, we'll have to do that sometime. Just do a special edition where we just talk about who would play the different. That's a great idea. You know, who would That'd play be figures. That'd yeah. be very fun. That would be fun. I'm full of. That would actually be really ideas. fun, unlike your pop quiz <laughs> at the beginning. Unlike my pop quiz, yeah. Well, that was fun with bunny ears around it. <laughs> fun with scare quotes. <laughs> fun with scare quotes. Um, all right. Uh, so Tolkis, he's a happy warrior. His weapons are his hands. Um, he's just pretty bad dude all around. Just uh, not somebody this you want to mess with. Right. This is my favorite part. Is that it, And he is of no avail as a counselor, but right. is a hearty friend. That's right. You cannot go to him when you're in crisis and ask for right. advice. Right. But, but if you need somebody to play in your bachelor party, yes. it's Tolkis. <laughs> it's Tolkis. That's right. Yeah. Or if you get in a little too deep. Had a little too much to drink at a bar, in a bar, and you need somebody to back you up. That's right. Tolkis is your guy. Tolkis is your guy. He is a hearty friend. That's right. Yes. Uh, everybody needs a friend like that. You Absolutely. Know? Everybody needs a friend like that. Yes, I agree. Uh, you got Nessa, mm-hmm. the sister of Orame, who we'll get to in just a second. Mm-hmm. She is lithe and fleet-footed. She's Tolkis' spouse. Right. She loves deer. Um, yes. And so... Um, they follow her train whenever she goes into the wild, but she can outrun them, swift as an arrow, with the wind in her hair. So both she and um, so who do you think would win a, a sprint between Nessa and Tolkis? Um, between Nessa and Tolkis. But doesn't it say that that um, well, it says that Tolkis can outrun anything on feet, outrun all things that go on feet. But then it says that Nessa is can outrun deer. Oh, she can outrun deer, which are pretty fast. Yeah, deer are pretty fast, but, but Tolkis would probably is, win. Yeah, Tolkis would faster. Yeah. Um. All right. Um, so Tolkis ne- a, rode a horse; she could beat him, but he won't ride a horse because he's faster than it. <laughs> a horse would slow him down. Right. Yeah. A horse would slow him down. Right. Slower than Nessa would beat him. Right. Yes. Um, Nessa delights in dancing, and she dances mm-hmm. in Valimar on lawns of never fading green. Orame is a mighty lord. If he is less strong than Tolkis, he is more dreadful in anger. Mm. He's the writer, right? Orme is the writer. We'll see. He's the guy that eventually um, comes upon the elves. He's the first of the Valar to come upon the elves because he loves to go riding like in open lands. Right, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Far away from, from where they from where the rest of the Valar live. Right. Um, He's a hunter. Right. And he is married to Vanna, who is the younger sister of Yavanna. Um not much is said throughout the story about Yavanna. She is the ever young. And all flowers spring as she passes and opens. And open if she glances upon them. And all birds sing at her coming. She's like Snow White. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So that gives off a very Snow Whiteish vibe from yes. that. Uh-huh. From that description there. So. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on the Valar before we, mm. we move on? One other quick mm. note. Um... Two quick notes. The, the the last paragraph in this section on the Valar. Um, Fair and noble as were the forms in which the Valar were manifest to the children of Iluvatar, they were but a veil upon their beauty and their power. Right? So they, mm-hmm. they like, took on these forms mm-hmm. to, um, mm-hmm. almost to subdue them so that the, the elves would be more capable of handling them. Otherwise, they would right. have been, like, terrified of right. them. Absolutely right. terrified. Yeah, it's kind of like... Thinking about Olmo being that like huge figure rising out of the mm-hmm. sea, like that's how the rest of them would have been with their particular realms. Right. So they disguise themselves as right to be more approachable. And then it mentions um, 
the high ones of Arda. So of the 14, there are, there are eight that are particularly important in ruling right. Arda. Well, there and used the, to be nine. And I think Melkor right? was the one that was Melkor taken was out. Melkor was the one that was taken That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Manwe and Varda. And they're called the Aratar. Is that how you the, say that? The Aratar, yeah. Aratar. Yeah. So those are the eight remaining chief powers. Right. Manwe and Varda, Olmo, Yavanna and Aule, Mandos, Niena, and Orome. Right. So uh, you basically got the big three guys. You got Var, you know, Manwe, Olmo, and Aule, and then you got Yavanna and Varda. And then to round it out, you got uh, Mandos, Niena, and Orome. So, uh, and Manwe is the great king of all. Right. Right. So, Maiar. A little bit on the Maiar. We don't learn too much about the Maiar, but we learn um, some a couple of very important things, and we get introduced to a couple of very important figures. Um, uh, first of all, it says about the Maiar that they are of the same order as the Valar, but of less degree. Right. Right. So they are Ainur, mm-hmm. but um, they aren't quite as <clears throat> as great as the Valar are. Right. They're lesser Valar. Right. Lesser Ainur. Lesser Ainur would probably be the best lesser way to say Einar. it. Um, uh, so, and they're not very, they're not extremely well known among among men or elves, uh, is what right. it says, because they have seldom appeared in form visible to elves and men. Right. Um, a few we get to know. Um, first of all, there's Aonwe, who is the herald of Manwe. He shows up a couple of times. Um, and then Ose, uh, and then Ose and Uinen are best known to the children of Iluvatar. Ose is the vassal of Olmo. Um, uh, and I'm sorry, there's Ilmare, who is the handmaid of Varda. So Aonwe and, and Ilmare both have, like, their, their helpers, their chief helpers. Yep. Right? Um, and then Ose is, Ose is a vassal of Olmo. Mm-hmm. Now, he's interesting. Why is he interesting? Do you remember? Ose is a vassal of... Um, Olmo. Olmo, right. Um, he's interesting because he does not go into the deeps. Well, but that's true. But what happens What happens between him and Melkor? Oh, yeah. He goes to Melkor's side, right? Right. Yeah, right. that's right. He allows Melkor to seduce him with... Yeah, at least at least partially, or there's the beginnings of that happening there. Mm-hmm. And Ose is kind of a loose cannon, right? Yeah. Uh, he's supposed to serve Olmo, but right. he, he tends to do his own thing. And what it says is that Melkor basically tried to tempt him by promising him control of the seas right. if he came over to his side. And he I guess for a little while he did Olmo's because it says he was pardoned and returned to Olmo's allegiance. Right. right. And what I like is that hey, the elves and everybody, you know, seafarers, they love Ose, but they don't trust him. Right. Right. right, he's he's a little bit of a loose cannon. He's mm-hmm. he kind of explains why the seas can get sometimes get a little crazy, right? And you know you make like make you fear for your life, right? I'll say, but doesn't Olmo? I mean, because Olmo is the Valar, who is whose realm is the is the sea, right? So wouldn't Ose be? Wouldn't he be submissive to Olmo? Like, wouldn't Olmo? No, am I what now? this wrong? Well, Ulmo is the Valar whose realm is the water. Right. Right? So Ose, as a Maiar, which is a lesser Ainur, right, wouldn't he still be, like, second in command to Ulmo? Right. But but he's still, he's still able to kind of do what he wants without Ulmo's, or he does well, do what he wants Well, think about Ulmo. it, too. Like, Ulmo is, is, is a similar way, right? Ulmo, like, does what he wants. And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. I think it's the... 
you know, he's kind of got the same DNA or whatever because okay. he's he's all about the waters. Right. Okay. So they're 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 sort of off doing their own thing, right? I see. They're not right. as easy to, you know, it's hard to you can't it's hard to put water back in a bottle once you spill it, right? Um, that's kind of the idea there, right? I see. Yes. That, yes. Um, you know, they're 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 unpredictable, they're uncontrollable, mm-hmm. right? Gotcha. Yes. Um, it's a power too great to harness, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's Ase. Mm-hmm. Then we have Melian, and she's a very important figure in this in this Silmarillion. All right, um, we're going to learn a lot more about her. She is a handmaiden of Vanna and Este. Did I think she... you skipped somebody, didn't you? No, uh, did I? Who? Um, Uni. Uh, no, Uni Unian. Uh, didn't we already mention Uinan? Maybe we did. I didn't remember. How do you say it? Wait, no, no, no you're right. I'm sorry. His sp- yeah, you're right. Ose. He has a spouse, yes. Uinan, the Lady of the Seas. That's who I was thinking was almost spouse, which is why I didn't yeah. say that. I see, I see why you got confused. Yes. She's the Lady of the Seas whose hair lies spread through all waters under sky. How do you say it again? Uinan? Uinan. Uinan. That's how I'd say it. Yeah, that makes sense. It's prettier. Again, that's how I'd say it. If there's If somebody knows the right way of saying it, let me know. Mm-hmm. John at truemyths.org. Um, and that's who the sailors call on, right? Because they don't yes. trust Ose. Right. They, they, uh, and, and she did bring Ose back to um, Olmo, right? Back to the side of the Valar when Mel, when he temporarily went over to the side of Melkor. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep. So, um, and, that, and that's important too. That's, that's a little important note. Um, we're going to find that that this theme of like repentance of coming back to the Valar and of coming back to the right way of doing things is possible for everyone, including Melkor. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, you know, if we think of Melkor as like the satanic figure, you know, in, in like, um, Christian theology, you know, Satan is not able to repent, right? He's, he's done, he's done what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. He did it in full knowledge he's he's passed the point of repentance and forgiveness right, right? he's yeah. made his choice mm-hmm. um and but for um Uinen, uh i'm sorry for Ose, and we're going to find for others and even for melkor they're still able right, right. at the, at this point they're still able yeah, to turn back from what they still, did yeah. yeah so that's a key difference all right so we got we think we got everybody covered up to melian so yes. melian uh was the name of amaya who served both vana and este she started out in Lorien, but we're going to find she comes, uh, she eventually leaves those forests and goes and finds kind of her own forest and she meets, um, she meets a guy. We're going to find out more about that later on. Okay. And um, she's going to find a spouse of her own. Okay. And it's a very interesting twist in the history of Middle Earth. Okay. Very important twist in the history of Middle Earth. Um, of things to look forward to. I know. There's tons of stuff that... This is just setting the stage. Just mm-hmm. setting the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nightingale sang about her wherever she went. Right. Nightingale sang about her wherever she went. Um, and then, really cool, Oloran. Now, do you remember from last time we talked about Valaquenta who Oloran is? Last time we talked about Valaquenta? Yeah. Oh, right. We did talk about it before, didn't we? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't think I remember... But from my notes here, I can tell you that he is the wisest mm-hmm. of the Maiar, and that he walked unseen among elves. Right. Early on. Early on. 
And in later days, he was the friend of all the children of the Lubitz. He's an, I'll give you this hint. He's an important figure in the Lord of the Rings. You get three guesses. Olorin is? Olorin, yes. Olorin is a... He's an important figure in the Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Of key importance. Key importance. Um, do I get any more hints than that? No. They're going to tell me which book. The Lord of the Rings. I know, but there's three... Parts. All three of them. Oh, and all three of them. Yeah. Oh wow. Um. And I did not know. Is it Gandalf? Yeah, it's Gandalf. Gandalf. Yeah, Olorin is Gandalf. Nice. Um, uh, it says of Melion. Uh, I'm sorry. It says he uh, he too dwelt in Lorien, but his ways took him often to the house of Nienna, and of her he learned pity and patience. Right. Mm-hmm. So he was like a disciple of Nienna's. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Which is really important because you remember how often does Gandalf, you know, come back and he's like, you know, pity is important, right? Patience and pity are 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 the important things. You know, when when Frodo is like, man, we should just Bilbo should have just killed Gollum when he had the chance, right? Yes, and 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 Gandalf says, you know, it's pity that stayed Bilbo's hand, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and and he holds that up as a virtue. Um, you know, Gandalf the Wise, and he learns this wisdom from Nienna, the one who teaches wisdom from sorrow, sorrow. right? Um, So that's a really cool connection to realize that, you know, he, that Nienna is responsible in large part for Gandalf and his wisdom and his guidance and his ability to lead in the Third Age, much later on, much later on. It even says in here that that he took pity on their sorrows, there being the the cousin of Luvatar, took pity on their sorrows and those who listened to him awoke from despair and put away the imaginations of darkness that's right oh awesome mm-hmm. oh, it just gives me chills when I, when I read that uh, those who listened to him awoke from despair and put away the imaginations of darkness um, you know I think that makes me think of the um, I don't know if you remember this in Return of the King but when he goes in you, you remember um, Denethor who's like the um, uh, he's He's not the king of Gondor, but he's like the steward. He's the steward of Gondor. He's the father of like Faramir and Boromir. Right, right, right. right. And it, it, he like kind of loses loses his courage and just falls into despair because the forces of Mordor are like taking over, mm-hmm. and they're assaulting Gondor, um, and they're they're assaulting Minas Tirith. Right. And um, and you know he's just like I give up, I give up, and it's Gandalf who tries to come along and be like. Be like you have to, you have to man up, right? You have to put away all of that, and you have to, you have to, you have to believe, you have to hope, mm. you have to keep hope before you, yes. and keep fighting, right? Yeah. And um, and that's that's like Gandalf's thing, right? That's Gandalf's thing. He's trying to lead people into hope, yes. right? So that they'll, so that they'll, they'll do battle with darkness, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so that's where Gandalf comes from. I love awesome. that. But he doesn't really show up in the rest of the Silmarillion. That's really the only little mention of him okay. in the Silmarillion, okay. per se, in the first age. So gotcha. um, we'll go and read some about Unfinished Tales. Uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do Unfinished Tales after we do the Silmarillion. Um, but there's some good stuff in there about where Gandalf came from as well and like kind of okay. his backstory, too. So. so how did you figure out that that's who that was? Well, there's this little thing in the back called the... Uh, index of names. Oh, does it actually tell you that? There, <laughs> yeah, it that does. Gandalf? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you go over there, it says, um, oh, Lauren, where are you? 
Oh, Lauren. Um, Amaya, one of the Istari wizards. Um, see Mithrandir, Gandalf, and compare with the Two Towers, uh, book four. Oh, Lauren, I was in my youth in the West that is forgotten. That's what he says. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it actually, so it actually calls him a Lauren at one point in the Lord of the Rings. So he started out as a Maiar. Mm-hmm. He is a Maiar. So he is a Maiar. So that's... Okay. Okay. Which yeah. is kind of cool to think he was there at the music of the Ainur, right? Yeah. You yeah. Know, all the yeah, way back. I've seen a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that's Gandalf. Gandalf. Learned everything he knows from Nienna. Um, all right. So... Um, Enemies. Last little bit here. Uh, Melkor. Mm-hmm. Uh, great might was given to him by Luvatar, and he was co-Aval. He was equal with Manwe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he just grew in contempt for all things save himself. You know, we all know somebody like that who just, they just look on everybody else's things, and they're like, just, mm-hmm. just content, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's this thing that they keep on feeding in themselves. It's like, stop doing that. You're hurting yourself, right. you know? Yeah. And that's 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 Melkor. It also gives him the name Morgoth, the dark enemy of the world. Right. But uh, and that's what he'll be known as for much of the Silmarillion. But he starts off as Melkor. He's not named Morgoth until a very specific point in the story, and from that point on, he's known as Morgoth. Okay. Right. So, but up until then, he's known as Melkor. Okay. So for the first few chapters, we're going to call him Melkor. Gotcha. Um. Any any uh, so any thoughts on Melkor? Any notes? Um. No, I guess what just stood out to me is that, um, you know, how he and Monwe were pretty much equals at the beginning with all the power that um, the Luvatar gave them, and then Monwe used his for good, and Melkor used his for evil, and yeah, just shows where you, know, you can see where it got him. Yep. You know, it also mentioned that he was covetous and contemptuous, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, there's a reason that... Uh, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. Right. It right. is. It's very, it can be very, uh, just eat away at you. Yeah. And um, become very destructive. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you're just always looking on other people's stuff and, you know, saying, I want that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Wise words. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, um... We got Melkor, and what he does is he seduces, like he seduced Asse yeah, over to Asse. his side for a little yeah. while, but Asse repented. And there are always empty promises. Yeah, always empty always promises. Empty promises. Absolutely. Um, the uh, but he seduces. Um, first of all, it talks about the Balrogs. Do you remember? Where the, do you remember what a Balrog is? Um, demons of terror. Right. Do you remember the Balrog from the Lord of the Rings? It was like the black... Those weren't the head... Those weren't... Were those the guys... No, those were the ringwraiths. No, those not the ringwraiths. I don't remember the Balrogs, no. The Balrogs... The, there was only one Balrog in the Lord of the Rings. Okay. You remember when they're in the Mines of Moria and they get... And they're getting chased by the orcs and then like all the orcs run away and like the, the big fiery like demon thing comes up to them? Oh, yeah. That's a Balrog. That's a Balrog. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, which... That description of a Balrog, the description of the Balrog in the book doesn't really look anything like what Peter Jackson did with it in the movies, but um, but it's it's much more like menacing and like like dark and scary in the book. Okay. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, you know, it's all right in the movie, but it's just not like what it is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the Balrogs these are these are Maiar that he seduced to his. 
purposes, mm-hmm. and they become these demons of terror. Okay. Yep. Um, and then the greatest of Melkor's servants that he seduces yep. is Sauron. Yep. That's where Sauron, Sauron comes from. Yep. So now we know where Gandalf and Sauron come from. Uh, Sauron was a Maiar of who? Do you remember? He was a Maiar of Ale. Ale. Yeah. Sauron's a maker, right? What does he yeah. make? I'm sorry, what? What did Sauron make? The ring. The ring, right? Yep. He made he made the one ring. Um, Didn't he make the others too? Uh, ooh, good question. Stumped me. Um, no, I think he inspired the making of other rings, oh, or he worked okay. with he worked with others in the making of other rings. But okay. I think he made specifically the one ring okay. to rule them all. The right. right. Okay. Um, so Sauron, uh, also known as Gorthar the Cruel. I mean, that just sounds like like. Yeah. You don't name your boy Gorthar no. and expect him to turn out well. Yeah, you know, that's like, a true story. I mean, especially if you put the cruel after it. That's right. <laughs> I shall deem him Gorthar the cruel. Isn't he cute? <laughs> yeah. He's going to do wonderful things. That's right. Um, you know, I, there was this great, um, there's this great drawing I saw uh, a few weeks back when I was looking at some different, different Tolkien art, and um, one of them. What this drawing was, it was Melkor, like, it was it was basically him seducing Sauron to his side, and it's this great image of him, like, grabbing Sauron. Like, Sauron looks so young and innocent, and, um, and like, uh, Melkor is basically just grabbing him, you know, it's like, he's just like, you're going to do what I say, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you the ways of power and of control and of domination, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be my protege, right? And it's like this fear on Sauron's face. He looks so young and innocent. Like, it's this look of fear and, like, being overwhelmed. But at the yeah. same time of, like, being, like, drawn in, you know, mm-hmm. to this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being unable to resist. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, unable to resist it. Like, it's just you're over... He's overpowered by right. this. But Sauron obviously becomes pretty powerful uh, yes. eventually. And mm-hmm. so he learns... Learns everything you know. He is uh, he is the best of Melkor's disciples. You know, and we'll find out several times later um, just how awful he turns out, how awful Sauron turns out. So, I thought this was interesting. I underlined this. It said Sauron had a part um, when they're talking about um, in all the deeds of Melkor. Um, Sauron had a part and was only less evil than his master. In that, for long, he served another and not himself. So there we see that that theme of submission yeah. coming, right? So even Sauron, you know, Gor- oh, nice point, yeah. Gorthar the Cruel, even he is saved a bit by his submission. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's kind of, he doesn't become as bad as quickly because, yeah, because, because, he's because at least he's serving somebody else. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, instead of himself. Yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't, I hadn't really picked up on that, but that's a very interesting point. So, hey, a little theme of service and of submission mm-hmm. being an important mm-hmm. thing as well. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And the, uh, you know, how it can lead to positive things. Yeah. Even in evil people. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, here ends the Valacuenta, as it says. Um, any other mm-hmm. thoughts? Any other things we can cover that you got in your notes? Uh, no, I think we got it all. Yeah. I think we got it all. It was, We're pretty it was thorough fun. with the Valaquinta, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's important because, um, so that's like good. you said, they're going to play, most of them are going to play pretty big roles mm-hmm. 
And so the, the Silmarillion, the Quintus Silmarillion, will be hopefully more easy to follow mm-hmm. um, now that we have a really good foundation of the major players. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, The so next time we are going to... Uh, I think I think we're gonna do both chapter one and chapter two of the Silmarillion of Quint Silmarillion. <clears throat> chapter two is a little bit shorter, so I think we'll just lump them both together. Okay. Um, uh, so chapter one is of the beginning of days, and then chapter two is of Ale and Yavanna. Um, and uh, that's what we'll have to look forward to next time on episode okay. four. Sounds great. Well, thanks, Greta. Thanks for thank uh, you, John. doing good reading and taking good notes and having good points. And thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You've been listening to Talking Tolkien. Um, and uh, check back in about a week, and we should have episode four up and ready to go. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Please remember to check out truemyths.org for show notes as well as other Tolkien goodness. Next time, we will be discussing the first chapter of the Silmarillion proper. So be sure to tune in, as we will start to see as the beginning of Middle-earth history unfolds. That's it for now. Thanks for listening.